Welcome to Victory Church's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. Um, I'm just going to make a couple comments out of Psalm 18 and then go into ministry time. Um, you know, it's... Um, Sharing about Psalm 18, it was a, it's a powerful psalm of deliverance, and how David had been attacked by his enemies. In the midst of his drama, he began to cry out to the Lord, and the Lord met him again and again. Um, and the, the, that first verse is so simple, yet so powerful. I love you, Lord, my strength. I love you, Lord, my power. And, you know, I started, you know, you'd think, well, how much can you get out of five words? Right there, you know, but that that word love, that word love, it's very unusual because it's it's the word for mercy or family love. And it's all every other time it's used in the Bible, it's it's for the Lord's love for us. It's like a mother who loves her child and cares for her child. It's a personal. It's a it's a it's a embracing love. It's a touching love. It's an endearing love. It's an action love. You know, I love my child. I'm, do, I'm doing something. I'm responding. And, but David took that word and turned it around. It's, it's usually translated mercy most of the time. And David turned around and it said that he was extending that. How can you do that? I mean, God doesn't need my mercy. I need his mercy. Right? So, so all, all David is describing is this is a, this is a, is a physical interaction. That's what he's describing. And he's, he's, he's in, in, a, in a strange prophetic way, he's talking about the incarnation of Christ. Being able to hug and, and, and respond and, and interact with a human. I love you, Lord. And it's, it's the, it's the love that, a that a, 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 a husband has for his wife and wife has for her husband. It's a love that a mom has for her children. You know, at, at the expense of, uh, don't, don't tell any of my sons I said this, okay? Even when one of them sitting up there. But uh, um, my, my middle son, Nathan, hurt himself today. On, right before church, he, fell, he was, went for a run and he fell down and hurt himself and ended up, in ultra care and in a sling and, and, you know, have been trying to figure out what's going on with his shoulder. And the, the funniest thing is he kept sending, kept sending pictures to his mom. I mean, he's, he's almost 40, you know, it's like, he's probably listening to me. Hi, Nathan. But the, the, the thing is, is all of us need our, our parental love. We need our, our mom to kiss our bobo on our head when we fall down, you know, and, and get hurt in the hospital. You know, I needed my wife to call me and encourage me. You know, all of us need that. We're created that way. We're needy. All of us are needy. We need our parents. We need our children. We need our spouse. And this is, this is the way we are. We're wired that way. We're not wired to be independent an individual and to be strong and to buck up and we need compassion and touch. We need the touch. We need the embrace. We need to be kissed. We need to be hugged. We need to be loved. We need to be comforted. 
And this is, this is what David is describing in all of his rejection and all the stuff that he was, that he faced of being uh, attacked by Saul, who was his king, who he loved. And being rejected by his brothers, whom he loved, and being an outcast, you know, for years, not just for a, a day or so, for years, for a long time. David had learned about love and about this, this touch. This touch from God. This touch, this embrace of God, being embraced by God and being able to embrace God, be able to, to respond to God physically. For our whole being to get involved. And, you know, that's why David danced. It wasn't just because he was weird. He was involved. His body was involved. His mind was involved with this God who had become real to him. You know, that's what Pentecostalism is. It's, a, it's God touching us and us responding back to Him. It's God loving us and us loving Him back. That's what worship is. Worship isn't singing the, the hot new songs and the top 20 Christian hit list. It's us loving God. It's the act of love. It's, it's the kiss. It's the hug. It's the embrace. It's I've been hurt and I need God's hug. I need Him to love me. I need him to care for me. And, and David is saying, Lord, I, I love you. And this, this strange, unusual word that he used. I love you in a family way. I love you, O oh Lord. You're the power and the strength of my life. It's, this, it's out of this intimacy that the power of God to live a normal life is released in us. That's where it comes from. It comes out of intimacy. It comes out of interaction. It does, it's, it's not something that you just learn from a sermon. Oh, now I got it. Now I'm going to apply these principles to my life. That's not it. It's, it's, it's interacting with a, with a living person. Whether it's through His Word or through His presence. So that's, you know, the, the first verse... Um, Psalm 18, when I love you, Lord, my strength. It's family affection to love. So then there's a, the, another verse. It's so powerful. In, um, Psalm 18:32, And he goes, he's singing the psalm. He says, the God who encircles me with his strength and makes me blameless. David, David had lived, he had lived in the hiding place for many, many, many years and learned this interaction with God. He, God encircles me. When they're chasing me, when they're, when they're running me down, whether it's the Philistines or whether it's Saul and his army, the Lord encircles me with His love. And now in this, in the, as, I, as, I, as, I thought, as I thought about this, he, the Lord encircles me with His, He encircles me with His strength. And makes my way blameless. You know, when the Lord, He puts His hand upon our life. And He loves us. But He has an ulterior motive. It's His glory. And He, he wants you to be a, a carrier. A tool that He uses for His glory to be seen and displayed 
So what does he do? He'll, he'll ask you to do something absolutely ridiculous that he knows you can't do. That's the way he operates. That's what Jesus did with his disciples again and again. He asked people to do the unthinkable, the impossible. So when they say yes, he gets the glory. That's the way he operates. You know, I thought, I think, you know, he told the, the lame man to walk. He couldn't walk. He hadn't been able to walk for 38 years. Pick up your pallet and walk. God's going to get the glory. Jesus is going to get the glory. Right? He told the disciples, take these couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread and feed this crowd of, what, thousands of people. Impossible. But they, they had to, they had to participate. They had to participate. The guy had to, to, to participate to get up and walk. These disciples had to participate to, 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 to feed these people. Peter's in the boat with 11 other disciples and the storm and the wind and the waves and Jesus is walking on the water and he says, Peter, come walk on the water to me. Now, we know he, he, he ended up sinking, but he did walk on water. Have you? I haven't. So, it, there was a, a few minutes there that Peter walked on water like Jesus did. He did the unthinkable and the impossible. It's recorded in the scriptures. Not that Peter could be glorified, but that, that Jesus would be glorified. And then he told them the most ridiculous thing. He made the most ridiculous demand of all. On these twelve, these twelve, many of them uneducated, common laborers. He told them, now guys, I'm getting ready to leave now. But I want you to go bring this message to every person in the world. Really? <laughs> and I'm going to be with you to the end of the age. Now see, this is, this is, he, he does stuff. He puts his hand on us. He wraps us with his love. He, he, he encompasses us with his love. And then he tells us to do the unthinkable. <laughs> and we have to be like David and just say, okay, okay, okay. Okay, so you've got you to get out of the boat. Well, you might look like a fool. Well, so what? You have to try the impossible when he says get out of the boat or, or to pick up your pallet and walk or, or go and, and start a Bible study. Not with your friends, but start a, a, a group with all brand new Christians or people that aren't even saved. Not just another club with your friends to argue about scriptures. And to see who can bring the best food next week. But maybe he's going to ask you to go actually literally get out of your comfort zone and start a group and make disciples. Wow. Or maybe he's going to ask you to go down and, 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 and do Pass out tracks and do evangelism with, with Robert down in the French Quarter. 
Or, or maybe he's gonna, maybe he's gonna tell you to go and, and, and visit the forgotten, miserable people in the assisted living homes. And just bring them up some cookies and, and sing a song even though you can't sing and, and read a Bible verse to them. You'd make their months if you did that. Maybe he's gonna ask you to do the, uh, the unthinkable, to, to really take a risk. And start a Bible study at work. Well, they'll make fun of me. They already do behind your back. <laughs> Lord, ask what you will. Ask what you will. Command what you will. But Lord, give what you command. He's the one that makes you walk on water. He's the one that heals your legs when he says, pick up your pallet and walk. He's the one that multiplies the fish and the bread. He's just got to have find somebody that's like a child that'll just believe the unbelievable and act on it. Someone to roll away the stone. Someone to go out on the mission. You know, that was one of the miracles of Azusa Street. All these these people, many of them uneducated, getting on a boat and going to Rhodesia or going to Zimbabwe or going to Vietnam or going to, to Russia. Had no clue. And God met them and used them. And churches still exist in those places. The Pentecostal church is, is roaring in South Africa. It was started by someone that came from Azusa Street over a hundred years ago. It's still, the seeds are still there. It's God. It's not you. It's not your training. It's not your education. It's not your talent. It's your obedience and it's His glory. So, God encircles me. <laughs> David was made into this incredible king, and he started, you know, it was, it was a child. He was a child that was anointed, a child that defeated a giant, a child that went and sang to Saul. And God anointed him and raised him up. 3,000 3, years later, we're still singing his songs. Many of them he wrote as a teenager. Unthinkable. It wasn't like he had been trained in the in the, the great songwriting school in New York or something. He was a worshiper. Drinking of the anointing. Let me give you another scripture. This one, Psalm 1835. I'll, I'll, I'll share this one um, and share this blog. You've also given me the shield of your salvation. And your right hand upholds me. And your gentleness makes me powerful or great. Your gentleness. The gentleness of God makes me great. His gentleness. The gentleness of God makes me powerful. One of the things which is hard for us to grasp is the humility or condescension of the Lord. This creator of all things became a human being and humbled himself. That we could touch Him. His gentleness makes us great. The greatness of God is infinite. And for Him to be revealed in creation in any way is unthinkable. David had experienced the visitations of the Lord and realized just how outrageous, how outrageous that was. David said his greatness or power came from the gentleness of the Lord's. 
We have a whole other level to deal with than David. God actually came among us as one of us. David did not have Christ in a human body yet. We do. He still remains one of us as our mediator in heaven. This is astonishing. The maker of rainbows and sunshine and moonbeams and galaxies and humans and angels has come amongst us. Unthinkable. This is infinite condescension. Infinite humility. Continuous gentleness. This is the unveiling of our great God that changes our lives. His gentleness makes me great. And I'll read one other verse. This is from Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. Listen, from the mouths of infants and nursing babes, you have established strength. Jesus quoted this verse to the Pharisees. Remember? On that great Triumphal entry and the Pharisees were, oh, they were so angry because the children were singing songs about the Savior. And Jesus quoted this verse. You know, obviously the Lord's ways are not our ways. Man tries to get his point across with a display of his own power or greatness. Man tries to appear great or act great or make you think he's great when he knows he's not. The Lord cloaks His power in weakness. God is the opposite. He hides His power in the weakness of a child. He hid His power in the weakness of a child born in a manger. In the weakness of a, of a, of a child raised by a, a carpenter in some village, Nazareth in Galilee. He cloaks His power. In this verse, the Lord hides His power in the praises of children. Only those with eyes to see can ever see God's power and majesty and the song of a child. Now this, just this testimony of Augustine. Augustine tells the story of how God's glory was revealed to him in the song of a child. He was a professor, an academic. He was filled with prides, outrageous prides. Could not humble himself to call upon the Lord's. And he's walking out and he hears over across this, this wall in a, in a garden next to him, these children singing, singing a scripture verse. They were singing, these children were singing a scripture verse. And in the singing of that scripture verse, he was convicted of his sins and he was converted and became one of the great voices in the church for the, almost the last 2000, last 1600 years. Converted. From the singing songs of children singing a scripture just playing in the garden. God cloaks his power in humility. Oh, he doesn't need someone great. He just needs someone. He doesn't need a great voice or a great vessel or a superstar or someone with outrageous talents. All he needs is someone that says yes. All he needs is someone that will, will love him back. That will let him love them. That will pour out their hearts. That will pour out their heart in worship. No matter what it costs them. Even if it costs them being criticized. And I promise you it will. If you become a worshiper, you will be criticized. 
and you'll be filled with joy. You'll be mocked and you'll be filled with the power of God. It's in his humility that he, he, he reveals his greatness. So, yeah, we can just humble ourselves. No one may ever know who you are. It won't matter. Ha, 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 ha. But he knows. And he watches. And he absolutely misses nothing. Nothing, 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 nothing. Like Catherine Kuhlman used to say, remember what she said. God isn't looking for golden vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. She would say almost every sermon she ever preached, you'd pick up one of her old videos and she'd say it again and again. She kept, she always said, I was born without talent. That's what she says about herself. She said, I didn't have any talent. I was born without talent. We want to brag about our talents. We want to put our talent on the billboard and put our talent on a magazine. We want people to know how talented we are and how creative we are. That's the way never to be used by God. Because He will not share His glory. With Yeah, no, no. If you're, if you're great, you don't need Him. Only if you're broken. Only if you're broken and humble. Only the needy, really. He's not many mighty and not many, not many wise and not many mighty that he, he set apart, Paul said, that he chose the, the weak and the foolish to confound the strong and the wise. Yeah, the hidden place of his power. I love you, Lord. I love you, O Lord, my strength. (laughs) I love you, Lord, my strength. I need you, God. I need your hugs. I need your embraces, Lord. I need to feel that you're with me, God. I need to wake up and and sense your presence in my room, Lord. Lord, I can do anything if you go with me. I just can't go alone. Lord, if you'll go with me, I'll go. But I'm not going by myself. I can't. You know, that's what Moses said. Lord, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, I'll, I'll go, and we'll go into the promised land, but I'm not going if you don't come with me. I can't. Visit our website at www.victorychurchnola.com for service times and more information.